Well, first of all, thank you so much for doing an amazing job on the series, Masters of the Year. Um, I truly enjoyed the entire series as well as your work in it, which is very, very detailed. Um, so thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate that. Thank you. It was a great job to do. It was really um, inspirational to work with all the young guys and to research and, you know, explore the world of, of the 100th bomb squad and, and all the people that supported it in the UK and the US. Wonderful. How did you get involved on this project, Colleen? I would love to hear the story behind it. Um, I got involved because I knew the production team from um, from Playtone, Gary Getzman, I've worked with several times um, from back in the Jonathan Demi days and up until the present over the years. And I've done a couple projects with Tom. So that was how I became part of the show. Wonderful. And had you done something similar to uh like a world war ii or you know set in that time no, period at least. i'd never done a real war kind of thing at all i've kind of always wanted to but um i'd never really had the opportunity um and to do that was that a challenge that you were pretty much take getting ready to take on or was there a sense of nervousness involved behind that well, it was a huge project. It's one of, I've done a lot of big things, but it was really one of the biggest projects I've ever done, if not the biggest. So there was like, you know, you wanted to do a good job with what you were dealing with and do it right. Um, mm. I had military people helping me, but I wanted to also have it look real and look, you know, have it be kind of aged and broken down in a way that I felt that a lot of uh, war stuff really isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of wanted it to really feel like visceral and, 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 and good in a way that, right. that, um, that I could do it. Um, I started on the movie, um, way ahead of time because I had to make all the leather goods for the show. There weren't enough of them in the world, you know, to dress guys. And so, um. I started with that with with a company in the UK um, called Eastman, and they um, man, we started with, you know, he had a lot of original samples and things like that, so I could look at all the different styles and different ways that different um, leathers were made, and um, and um, and sort of research it that way. I have spoken to Captain Dale Dye twice, uh, once uh, last year, uh, just about Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers and the Pacific, and uh, spoke to him a few weeks ago as well about, obviously, this project. Uh, how is it working like with him? Uh, because you said you you know, you worked with the military personnel. Uh, I'm assuming it was him. Well, no, I, well, I did work with him, of course, but he came in and did bait and he was around, but I had a guy that was actually a costumer that worked with military from the UK who, mm. um, who had been part, whose father had been lived near where Thorpe Abbott's was and whose family had been sort of part of the American family of Thorpe Abbott's just because they were there. His grandfather was there during the war and they embraced the American soldiers and, and the, and the airplanes and all that. And he'd grown up in that culture and it was his niche thing. His name is Mark Allman, but it was his thing that he loved the most in the world. So um, it was really, you know, 
he was really the person in my area of of costuming that I relied on as opposed to Dale who was more into like you know how everything's set up in the rooms and all that stuff so so he wasn't really my guy in the sense that Mark was got it uh, you know, I come from a military family as well. And I have, as a kid, I remember I used to wear a military uniform just, you know, because my dad was in the army and it was the cool thing to do at the time. And, you know, the attention to detail is just mind boggling in every part of the series. And I, you know, one thing that I, I see people talking about online, um, aside from, you know, the story and the visuals, is obviously the production design, art direction, but more so the costume, because a lot of people online used to be in the military or had their grandfathers who were who had served in the U.S. military or British Army in World War II. Um, so I think you truly have hit a home run, your t- entire team, in in oh, doing thanks. so. Um, and and you know, it, it people take those things for granted. I mean, but it, it's a whole wholesome thing, right? And it adds up to the story. Oh yeah. Um, and it's a lot of moving parts all the time, you know, you're keeping track, you know, we had over, you know, almost a thousand speaking parts in the show, 300 of which were really featured. So it's a lot of guys in uniforms and their interpretation of them that you're, you know, that you want to make real. Yeah. And the biggest challenge in, in any kind of project, you know, is continuity, but especially with these kind of with this 10 part series or nine part series and you have all these costumes and, you know, these outfits that you have to make sure that to the crease of the outfit, everything stays consistent. Um, How do you, how do you kind of deal with that? Obviously aside from having a great team, just to make sure the continuity stays throughout. And it did. Well, I think the people on set watched it, the, the actors themselves were very conscious of it and they kind of built their character on different, you know, aspects of tidiness or untidiness, depending on who they were. Um, luckily I had the jackets covering a lot of shirts and I, and things like that, which at least that stuff stays pretty much the same. Um, so um, it wasn't really a, such a big issue as it sounds okay. from the outside. Um, it. It's, it's definitely, was part of it but it wasn't really a problem you know in that way because everyone kind of self-disciplined themselves in in how they wore their costumes that's awesome that's great to hear yeah they really embraced it yeah i think a lot of it has to do with also when you go through the boot camp training and it teaches you that whole mindset of being in the military and just trying to make sure that you're presentable it it just changes everything in, in your head yeah um yeah in 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 what well, you know you obviously worked for how many years from pre-production to the fin- obviously the production that's where your part ended was it like three four years or longer no not for me for me nine months prep and a nine month shoot so it was eighteen months okay for what, you know post production is you know obviously. editing and all that stuff happens yeah. after. Yeah, yeah, so that makes the length of it longer. Right. What was the most challenging part, um, whether it was in pre-production that you can remember or in production, that, you know, there's so many, like you said, moving parts. There's always things that go wrong. I mean, when I'm on set 
working on a film, things go wrong all the time. That's an inevitable thing. What was something that you remember and how did your team and you overcame that? Any any story that you remember specifically? Well, what happened, I don't have a specific antidote per se sure. like that because it felt like that all the time. But a lot of times what happened is we'd have, we'd be shooting a unit we were prepped for from the first block of directors. And then all of a sudden, the second block of directors we were shooting at the same time. Mm. So we had to take the guys, you know, halfway through the day and change them into the outfits for the other directors for their scene. So it was a lot of of, of juggling of, of costumes. The principles it was pretty good with because you kind of knew it was the background it was always a challenge and always a kind of a new thing and it wasn't something that we knew about ahead of time so much um because as as my, many clothes as we had we all we never had enough you know it was always something and i really think for me and my team the biggest challenge was really as you're shooting these huge epics maybe shooting two or three the same day you're prepping for the next one. And by the time we got, you know, to the eighth or ninth one, it was so stacked up that we, like there wasn't enough crew to even do it. It was so big and crazy. And, you know, we're doing Germans over in one corner, Russians somewhere else. And, and you know, the Americans on the base somewhere else at the, the same day with the same crew of people. So trying to figure out how to spread everybody around and make it happen was, was a logistical nightmare. I bet. How big is your team? My team fluctuated from um, <clears throat> probably in the beginning, it starts quite small, but it, mm -hmm. it, it fluctuates during shooting. I'm kind of going going back and forth. I'm going to shift off from Masters of Sarah. Just in general, um, Colleen, what inspires you? Like what inspires something for you to work to get ideas like what do you look for did you look for any references in any of the past series band of brothers specific saving pride ryan or anything else what's your process like that when you're given the job how do you tackle it i just i looked at uh, anything that had to do with the army or different military for those shows test with how they work and where they, you know, what the bases look like in America, what they look like in the UK and, and the equipment that came from England in the beginning and how, <clears throat> because we were short of, of things in the beginning of the war, how we utilized British equipment ma matched with the American equipment. And then we built it up and, and all that part of it was, was sort of my main research and just visual research there's a lot of good research from the Thorpe Abbott's museum. They have really good archives. So looking at their stuff, which was, you know, the real guys in situ was, was way more valuable than looking at other movies and stuff to me. Right. Um, did you have any family that served in any war or world war two? Like my dad was in the Navy in the Pacific in the second world war. And then he also, um, was in the Korean War in the Aleutian mm. Islands. So he had a double whammy. He got home for like two years and then had to go again. So um, the, my grandfather was, my great-grandfather was in the Lafayette Escadrille. He was a pilot in the first world war. 
which was a whole other thing. But um, he was, you know, none of them were military other than in the war. They didn't have a military career or anything. Mm. Did did you hear any stories from your dad or your granddad growing up that you kind of remembered? Never. Never. They don't talk about Never. it, I know. No, they my didn't dad, talk about it. My still my dad, I still don't know what he did other than what he did in the office. He never talks about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, dad would never bring it up. He would just not a thing, you know. He just I guess he just wanted to forget about it. Yeah. But were there any photographs that you looked at that may have given you any kind of inspiration from his time and his grandfather's time that you that you may have had? Not really. I had like, you know, there's a picture of my dad, like a goofy picture of him and his brother both looking like they were in, a, you know, really young in their uniforms. My my uncle was in the Air Force and my dad was in the Navy, but it's kind of a brother shot, you know, mm. uh, of them. But there wasn't a lot of documentation in the family of mili military kind of things right right um and what was something that you got a you know even though your dad and your granddad served in the uh, navy and the military as just a human being at an individual level what did you learn about the whole idea of you know soldiers and wars and military how so i mean you mean from books or from Hemingway or from, no, no, from you know, from from working on the series, like there's something that really taught you something new that you didn't know before. Well, I didn't know anything about, you know, I knew that these kids came were driving a tractor one year and the next year they were flying airplanes. So that part was, you know, the reality of watching that happen with even though it was pretend was something that you know you kind of hear about but you don't really get how mm -hmm. devastating you know that experience is for for people i don't think and i think that's kind of was my takeaway from it as much as anything you know right, it made right. me you know it made me realize that you know that that the youth of that generation was really young and really before most Americans ever traveled anywhere in the world, it sort of opened the world to America in a way because they did go overseas and saw something besides their home state, you know, that it really changed how we looked at the world in America. Right. Right. Um, was there anything in the pre-production stage when you were doing all the prep work, the you know research, or even when the script was kind of going through the stages that it goes through? Was there any... One of the things I've read about online, and again, people have opinions, but I'm just kind of curious, that you know, Band of Brothers is one of those series, I'm not sure if you've seen that, um, where they, they do a lot of setup, like how people get into where they get into their backstories a little bit more deeper. As right. opposed to as opposed to Master of the Year, you know, you kind of brought up the point about these these kids were, you know, farmers, and then they kind of were flying planes. Was there any kind of that element in any of the work that you were doing that was in the early stages that then it kind of got shifted over? Not particularly, because they, by the time I got them in the store, they were already in the war. They weren't anywhere else. You know, you didn't have the flashback thing like Band of Brothers or you know, that, mm. that setup. To kind of just talk about, 
I don't want to talk about any particular scenes because I know we're not allowed to. So I'm going to stay away from that. Um, we don't want to give away anything. But episode yeah, I got one... a lot more to go. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, I wish I could because I've seen the entire series and I absolutely loved it. Um, but episode yeah. one and two, which is obviously the premiere episode combined into two. Do you remember the first day when you got on the set and the 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 vibe and the feel that you got? Do you remember that experience? Well, I think that like once you got kind of got everybody there and you were looking at this giant airplane they made for the movie mm. and you kind of went, you know, you just kind of got a feel for the scale of it all. You know, you kind of knew it was coming. But when you actually got out there with everybody standing around and figuring out what they were doing and dressed in their thing and getting in the airplanes, you really kind of had a feeling that you were suddenly in this world that you were going to be in for the next nine months of your life. <laughs> yeah. Did you go inside the B-17, the model? And, you know, at least. Oh, yeah. yeah. I went inside where um, when they were building it and stuff when I was in, you know, before it was finished. Um, because I had to see how the guys were going to fit in there, like how little space there really was for people. And our couple of our guys, like Callum's pretty tall. So it was like, you know, here he is in this huge jacket getting in this little tiny space. So it was just like just double checking that everything, you know, we put stuff on people and had them walk through and do stuff to make sure it all worked. So when we were really doing it, it didn't look goofy, you know? Yeah. I mean, it must be an incredible feeling, even though it's a it's a model plane, but it's from another time. Like it's almost what eighty years ago now, right? And to to be in that presence and to have that around you, and then to see all the people that you and your team have put in these incredible costumes, was it a very surreal feeling? Just being in that moment. I think by the time I got in the moment, I'd been in that moment so many times with the fittings and all that, that it was <laughs> so not were... a surreal moment. It was a got huge it. relief more than a surreal moment. I mean, it was a, it was a feeling of joy and happiness. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And, and, and then just like a, a lot of mini series, including this one, there's different directors, right? The vision is all Correct. one, right? The vision is all one. And you kind of talked about that, how you were going from location to location, but still every director brings something new. Right, because they have a different personality, they're different people. How, not necessarily difficult or easy, but how is it working from here to there, and you know, adjusting to different directors' work ethics and workflows and their personalities? Well, it was pretty smooth actually, because we transitioned, you know, quickly, and it was just sort of. The guys remained the same. The actors and everything was the same. So we were yeah. a world and these directors would come into it and to do their angle on the story or their take on their particular thing. And you would just go to them, talk to them. And maybe partly because it was a military thing, so it's uniforms, and they would just go, just keep doing what you're doing. It looks great. This is what I want. You know, this is what I want. I want to add that. I'd like this. But it was fairly, it was all very copacetic and, and pretty, you know, their prep time wasn't that long. So we were ahead of the curve. We were prepared for them before they landed and got there and started, you know, prepping and directing. So they, they do it. I mean, those guys that do that work are pretty amazing because they do it pretty quickly, like yeah. figuring it out, landing, you know, uh, 
and start directing it like a huge mass of people around a gigantic field of storytelling. Right. You know, filmmaking is a collaborative effort, just like, you know, military itself. Like it's probably, you know, the way yeah, the, the way the way the it's film similar. It, it is. It's like a hierarchy of, you know, everybody has their jobs and they have to report to a certain individual who has to report to a certain individual. And, you know, in, in that in that frame of mind, and especially when you're working with cinematographer and there's a production designer lighting, how how collaborative is it just as an example it doesn't even have to be masters of it doesn't have to be masters of the year like do you remember just working with the other teams which team were you the most closely working with on the production days i think you know obviously the director and um you know we collaborate closely with the prop department because guns and and weaponry and all that stuff is is a prop not our department um all the different accoutrements like the gas masks and those things were shared you know it was a shared responsibility but because of people warm we mainly you know were dealing with the day-to-day -day maintenance of them and and um and the things like that but those were kind of and the art department just kind of what the sets were like and and the mood around the thing but it was you know the interaction day to day was probably mainly with cropping, just making sure everything was right and that they had the right stuff for us. We had the right stuff for them and, you know, keeping that moving forward. Right. And I'm just curious. I'm always curious about people's journeys because we all have our journeys. How did you get in? What inspired you to get into what you do right now? I mean, you were doing it for quite some time, but do you remember what inspired you to be who you are today? Well, I think that I always loved movies growing up, but I had no idea, you know, that, that I would ever or could ever work on one. But yeah. I think that when I when I was like in in my early 20s, I I became a fan of a lot of the uh, Italian new wave movies like El Gato Pardo. Um, mm. Kurosawa's movies I started watching movies and, and I was working in fashion at the time I'd studied art I kind of wanted to be an artist but I had to make a living um so I didn't you know pursue that and I ended up you know falling in love with these movies and and when the time came and I had a, a, a opportunity to move to New York I moved to New York and um you know started from the ground up um to to um begin you know begin life working on movies right and because i'd worked with clothing it was just the the, the right zen place to go yeah 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 that's 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 quite uh cool i mean i, I think i've spoken to a few costume designers on different projects and more or less they all have the similar similar kind of path that how they love movies and they're doing the oh. fashion and then you kind of just, you know, merge the two. Uh, yeah. But that's, and, you know, in your career where you are right now, obviously, you know, you're at a very different place than you were when you began. Do you look back sometimes and, you know, that moment, like how far I've come to be where I am today and obviously the hard work that it took for you to get from there to here. Like, do you cherish those times? You know what? I 
I don't think that way. It's just okay. not, you know, I'm just like grateful, you know, for the life that I have and, and feel really lucky and the collaborations with different directors and different kinds of people that, that I've worked with in, in the world. Right. And um, I think it's really, you know, I'm just super, super lucky really to be doing what I do um, and grateful to people that have helped me in the past. But, but also I don't spend time like I'm not very nostalgic, I guess, as a person. Fair enough. That's fine. I mean, you have some immense credits, right? Like you worked on films like Memoirs of a Geisha with Rob Marshall, uh, Chicago, tons of other stuff that you worked on. And, and I think the mo another one that I remember was The Huntsman. I think it was one of those movies that you did also. I mean, your, your credit list is I huge. I did two Huntsman movies, yeah. yeah. No, I've done a lot of big, big shows, big shows of all different kinds. So, um, you know, but always fun and always learning something new and, you know, not getting put in a niche is, is a really um, important part of my life, I think, in my work. I'm glad you said that because in, in the film industry, you know, you always get kind of like pigeonhole or time cast, typecasted because if you make one film, then you make another film like that, then that's all you're going to get. And how do you, yeah. how did you, how were you able to sort of, you know, expand your path into different ways? Was it a lot of no's that you had to do or you still do, or was it just everything kind of came to you in a very uh, blessed way? It just kind of came to me in a random, you know, happenstance way, you know, with different directors that have different, it, like Rob did Chicago, he did Memoirs of the Gay Shade, he did A Little Mermaid. You know, the directors, not only me, but the directors that I've worked with, Tim Burton, like those areas right. all over the place. You know, these guys do all different kinds of movies. So luckily for me, they still want to hire me on them. Then I can do them with them. And 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 then you do one one kind and something, you know, random stuff resonates with different directors. It's not the obvious always. So, um, you know, it's always interesting to see where it comes from and, you know, how it how it how it pans out but but i think that i've been really lucky in the people that have that have that have liked me over the years perfect um have you seen the entire series the completed series oh yeah okay yeah um, i sat and watched it and i did a three hours like three at a time i did three three and three so i've seen the whole thing when it was i haven't seen it on a big screen but i've seen it in a on a right. pretty big TV screen. Yeah. I'm just curious without talking about the episode specific, was there anything that any episode that you enjoyed as an audience and also enjoyed from the standpoint of working on that episode and kind of remembering the backstories behind it or was it all the same for you? It kind of was like a giant movie for me yeah. more than an episodic. I, I so felt for me way. it wasn't yeah, for me it didn't really I didn't really have that feeling for it at all it was a kind of a flow and did you see it with your any of your family members or friends or was it just uh no i had just i saw it at the you know where they were editing it by tone oh okay okay wonderful um have, have your family i mean you have got such a great body of work not that you need to make a point to anybody uh, especially people around you like closer to you but has any of your family members seen 
the first two episodes at least you know the ones that are not yeah TV for show. sure they all have they all love it yeah they're all like fans so um so they've all watched it and enjoyed it wonderful and what's next for you uh colleen well i'm working on a um, paul thomas anderson movie at the moment um which i'm oh. going to the airport to go to set so um I'm working on that and I'm working on um, I'm doing the costumes for Jennifer Lopez for Kiss of the Spider Woman that Bill Condon's directing. Oh, I'm I'm a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan. I mean, who isn't? It's that's incredible. Yeah, Is it the first special. time you're working with him or you've worked with him before? Yeah. No, I've never worked with him before. And how how is he just as a I mean, we know, but I just want to hear it from you because you're working directly with him. How is he different? not in a bad or a good way from working with other people that you have sort of worked with. Well, he's a real auteur. So, you know, it's, it's his world. He shoots the movie, he writes the movie, he directs the movie. So it's a very, um, you know, it's a very small kind of tighter collaboration than, than with um, a lot of other directors. Yeah. And I think, and I, I don't know if this is correct. Uh, I believe it is because I was speaking to, uh well i i saw it that beetlejuice beetlejuice 2 is in production and i spoke to bo yeah, welch okay so you are working on it okay it's done though it's 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 almost you know it's it's it'll be out in the fall i think but it's through filming okay so it's in post-production well again i don't want to talk about the film specifically but you've worked with tim barton before um you know you've seen the beetlejuice originally was that something that experience of working on something like that that came out almost what 35 years ago i think if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah it was a long time ago okay it was great you know it was fun to revisit it and do what we did with it and i think people are really gonna love what tim did with the movie i think it's 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 really gonna be funny Wonderful. Well, I'm looking forward to a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. I think that stars DiCaprio and Sean Penn. Um, yeah. And uh, really excited about that. But thank you so much uh, for, first of all, giving thank your value. Thank you. Time. Sorry about my bad technology. <laughs> no, no. no, no. I really appreciate the fact that you're on your way to the airport and you're still given the time. So it really means a lot. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment, and do come back for another episode. Until then, have a great day.